to Hope and Help Every Day. I'm Lisa Egan, and I'm a licensed therapist. I'm Hawanya Miller, licensed marriage and family therapist. So today, our topic is going to be mental health providers as first responders. We are going to take a moment to kind of share our thoughts, particularly in the time that we're in of COVID-19, the pandemic, as to the, the validity and value of having mental health providers as first responders. This is going to probably be a four-part series. Yes. We have a lot to cover. So I think uh, when we talked before, we were going to break it into, uh, like the first segment is what we want listeners to gain from thinking of mental health professionals as first responders. Mm-hmm. You want to start that? Sure. So for our audience, I I think sometimes a visual makes more sense of what you understand first responders to be. I think Lisa and I can both agree that for first responders, we think of policemen, EMT, and firefighters, right? Right. Okay. So we think that they will respond to, oh my gosh, there's a house on fire. Oh my goodness, someone had a car wreck. Oh my goodness, we just saw someone get beaten up in the street. And then we think of those folks as the first responders coming to respond to the emergency or the crisis in that moment. We can both Because there's that. because there's been a physical injury. Correct. More than likely. Yes, yeah, someone needs Correct. needs help. Correct. What we as a society continue to have struggles with is there are unseen injuries happening in those moments that are really things that are happening to our brain and our emotional and mental well-being. Exactly. And that's the reason why we wanted to have this four-part series to start the conversation on why it's valuable to have those professionals who work with people on mental well-being, emotional well-being, and brain well-being to be present as a first responder. Yes, because I think that a large part of what we're missing here, I mean, that the emotional trauma is also an impact trauma, if you want to think of it like that. I think when you talk about having a, a visual to go along mm-hmm. with the first responder theme, people are not aware that when they're going through experiences that are traumatizing, you have to kind of to gauge the severity of the trauma. It's going to be different for everyone, but change that you go through or experiences that were extremely negative, we're going to have to define trauma perhaps in that way. But what I'm trying to get across is that our brain is very much connected to our body and that brain does receive an injury. We know that the brain changes based on experience and depression, et cetera, anxiety are caused from changes in the brain. And so we need to think of emotional well-being and tending to that part of us as first responders because of brain, the, the impact to the brain of emotional well-being. Agreed. So when we had talked about this earlier and even in thinking of the visual, to better make sense of why it would be key for us to be there present when that injuries seen and unseen are happening is if you've ever been in a car accident and you are getting tended to and you are going to to the emergency room or a hospital you're being transferred by emt and they're sitting here taking your blood pressure they're sitting here trying to ask you questions to ascertain whether or not you're still in consciousness and you're still present they're sitting here trying to make sure if you do have any physical injuries they're tuned to it And then imagine if we're also there, because we can deal with those unseen things that are starting to play out in your brain already that's impacting what they're doing to you physically. Because you're worried Mm -hmm. about who's going to be there at the hospital. 
Am I conscious? I can't believe my brain, my life just flashed before my eyes. I feel like I'm sitting here about to have a panic attack. Oh, my head is spinning all over control, having multiple thoughts. Somebody else was with me. Are they okay? If we're present with the EMT, we are treating that unseen injury at the same time that they're treating the seen injury of physicalness. And then that that reinforces what we know happens, as Lisa just spoke to. The brain works in con- concert with the body. They can't work separately. They have to work together. And if the brain's impacted, the body's impacted and vice versa. So why not have both people who can treat those injuries, whether they're seen or unseen, present at the same time, providing that equitable treatment? That would be the perfect world scenario. Correct. For sure. Correct. Yeah, because people are also always alone in those moments. And we know that you know, in that heightens um, isolation, fear of the unknown, et cetera, increases anxiety, which then impacts the brain. And by the way, impacts healing. But outside of the EMT kind of experience, I want to switch over to what you and I were talking about in terms of trying to view mental health professionals in that category of first responders because of the work that we do with people. And it doesn't have anything to do with their physical injuries, but they come to us with depression, anxiety, and PTSD and bipolar disorder. It could be any number of things, relationship issues. Mm -hmm. And we are in a moment in this world right now dealing with COVID. And I know that you see in your practice and and I have clients, many of which are having COVID-related symptoms as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not about just going to the doctor and saying, I need something, pill for you know, prescription for anxiety and or depression, or stress, or whatever they're dealing with. It's being able to have ready and equal access to mental health providers all the time. Correct. Because we all are currently in the largest mental health crisis that the world has ever seen. For many people, this is probably par for the course because they've lived through war wars and famines and other health pandemics. But there are some of us in, in our lifetime, we've never seen this. And so we are all in a mental health crisis, yet our society, particular American Western society, doesn't value the need for access to mental health during a mental health crisis, health crisis, as they would physical health during a mental health health crisis. And again, you're right. That's the part of starting that conversation. And ironically, in some ways, there are communities that already are doing that, um, having mental health professionals be first responders. So for example, there are some communities that have decided in their community that when someone is having some sort of struggle, be it a brain, be truly a brain injury, that they do send a mental health professional out first before they involve law enforcement to do assessment, to provide on the ground, boots on the ground treatment to facilitate care so it won't escalate the moment a law enforcement shows up. There are communities that are doing that actively here in the United States. But overarching, we still struggle with the fact that we consider mental health as equal of value as physical health and therefore should have those professionals who treat mental health to be first responders. What else would you like to add to that, Lisa? Well, I agree with you completely. I think that we really do need to become more equivalent in our in our way of seeing people and their treatment everyday life. So when 
we think about clients getting to a point of distress and impairment mm -hmm. before they make an appointment to talk to a mental health professional. Mm -hmm. When if we had that as part of uh, daily life or annual checkups or you know any number of ways that we need to probably think about adding in, being additive in the overall health and well-being wellness uh, treatment of individuals, probably around the world. But of course, we live in the States. So talking about our system and the people that we encounter. But still, I think that people shouldn't have to get to the point of desperation before they reach out. And that's really kind of where we come in is when people are hurting and impaired and we need to be able to reach them before that happens. Hmm. So then the question I would pose, which would end up leading us to probably the second part, is what do you figure right now is triggering the disconnect of valuing mental health equally to physical health and being able to access it even prior to it becoming so distress, distressing that you, in your mind as a person, may feel like you're in crisis? Well, I think historically it has, it, it was developed or the, the treatment of mental wellness, mental health has come out of an elitist kind of profession. Mm. And because it did and the cost for accessing that care was so expensive that the normal, the norm for people weren't able to access the care. Hmm, hmm. I think that was the, that's probably the, the largest contributing factor. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And it's interesting you bring up costs. I think the other part is the other unspoken cost is because that stigma exists, people think, and we still perpetuate this thought, is as long as you can just get the body function, we can worry about the mind later. Because we can't, yeah. we, I, if I don't have a body, I can't work. I can't feed a family. I can't take care of my kids. Because I can't show up to work, to work, even though technically, if your mind, brain's injured, you ain't showing up to work anyway. Your body's just there. You're like a robot. Exactly. And you you actually are less productive and you're not able to focus. And that actually could also impede you feeding your family and taking care of your kids and being present with your loved ones. Um, yeah. And let's not forget, too, that it wasn't very long ago that we passed the mental health parity law. Correct. It's probably been um, less than 15 years. Mm-hmm. Correct. I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, correct. Even though corporations have been talking about this since the 70s when Nixon introduced HMO, because they knew there was value ensuring that employees had access to health care because they equated employee health to productivity. That's right. So, so our overarching message as we segue into, I guess, the end of this episode sure. and into our next one mm -hmm. is that we really want people to try to recognize and be aware that they very likely have access to mental health professionals and we would hope that they make them a regular part of their wellness routine to just check in. Most corporations have EAPs, which means employee assistance programs, which are no charge to you. Mm -hmm. Usually that is a limit of about three to five sessions, but still, if you incorporated that into your individual wellness routine, I think that everyone would start off being at least 50% better. You try to engage those resources before you get into a distressed situation. Ooh. 
Correct. Um, and, and the other thing I would add and also pose the question that segues way to our next thought process is that our next episode is that you we're in an age of the Internet that literally have access to so much information. It's almost scary. And you literally can find a therapist for you. I promise you there's not enough therapists in the world for the use, but there are plenty of therapists out there for you to try. And you can literally look at any directory that is specific to your cultural identity, your beliefs systems, even your costs. There are cities that have actively placed things like Open Path Collective where cost is not a, should never be the barrier to access. And they have trained, licensed professionals ready, willing, and able to work with you. It don't matter what systems you work in, be it military, hospital systems, retail. You have things like employment assistance. You actually have crisis people who are available to come to you even in this time of COVID to sit there and provide services with you in the moments. So you don't have to even leave your employer you have abilities and oftentimes access to benefit that you really could truly take a mental health day and take that time to go see someone and ironically we've been doing that when we sit there and take time to go see the pastor or go get our nails done or go talk to our beautician when we get our hairstyle but we're just now saying incorporate the professionals because many people are now preferring professionals to do that as part of their overall health care plan so let's think about as we further explore having mental health providers as first responders and think about this question and when Lee's supposed to pose it to me I, I admit I had to think long and hard because we're also human beings and we're also in the middle of the pandemic pandemic as well as human beings but what would happen to you if you didn't feel mentally strong and for everybody mentally strong is defined differently but really seriously think about this if you could not have a place or a person to to sit there and be able to get stuff out when it comes to your mental well-being, to talk about your stressors or whatnot, how would you really be able to function? And will you feel productive and of value to your community, to your village, to the world, if that wasn't taken care of? And that's the question that we will talk about in the next episode. My name is Hawanya Miller, licensed marriage and family therapist. Thank you for joining us. And I'm Lisa Egan, also a licensed therapist, and we're glad that you joined us today at Hope and Health Every Day. Also, you can catch this podcast on our website at hopeandhelpeveryday.com. We'll also have some other articles and good tips and little hopes and little helps every day. Catch us on social media as well, and we will see you next time.